Howdy. In previous episodes, I have discussed generalities about crypto, such as risks, terminology, and perspective. This episode, I will offer a narrative story about how Bubba uses DeFi. In this story, Bubba will start with dollars, then take a journey from fake crypto to real crypto on the Ethereum network, where Bubba acquires Hex and stakes it. My intent is to offer tangible details that allow any person to better understand and articulate one avenue to turn dollars into crypto with minimized reliance on centralized middlemen. This story is not a comprehensive description and may include errors or inconsistencies. This story is not to encourage you to participate. If you are a no-coiner who has never participated in crypto, you will become aware of costs and technical nuances that no-coiners don't know to research ahead of time. Historically, most people in crypto have learned by experience and lost money as part of the learning process. Part 1. Getting from CeFi to DeFi I will discuss prices and fees associated with transactions on the Ethereum network. Market prices and network fees are inherently fleeting. Market prices fluctuate wildly and constantly. Ethereum network fees change roughly every 14 seconds at the slowest. The point of discussing fees is A. To acknowledge that they exist B. To show how common they are and C. To show how fee prices relate to other transaction elements. I will discuss moving a principal amount of $1,000. I do not suggest anyone do anything with that amount of money. That amount is a round number that I will use as a reference to illustrate percentages. Bubba is a person who conducts his own affairs. He manages his own bank and investment accounts and tax filings. He strives to have more income than expenses. He saves a portion of his income for the future and lives on a disposable income that is below his means. He is precisely aware of how much disposable income he can set aside to waste on entertainment, which includes speculation for entertainment. Security Bubba lives by himself and does not have to worry about information security the way that he would if he had a roommate or child. He is aware of what aspects of cryptocurrency are public and transparent, and what aspects are private and secret. Bubba feels familiar with cryptocurrency because he has watched lots of informational videos, he has read websites and books, and he has been a participant of decentralized finance for many months. He is about to go through a process he first tested months earlier with a small amount of money. Responsibility As a participant of cryptocurrency, Bubba hopes to live up to the concept known as be your own bank. This is a concept because if you are only running computer code and you are not holding other people's money, then you are not really a bank. This concept is about personal responsibility for information security and self-custody of assets. Security as part of Be Your Own Bank Bubba has a hardware wallet. It is a device that securely generated the private key approver and public key address that make up what people call a wallet. A wallet is really a key pair. 
When Bubba bought his hardware wallet, he chose between two companies that have a good reputation for years. Those companies are Trezor and Ledger. He chose a wallet that did not have Bluetooth or wireless, only a USB cable. He bought his wallet directly from the manufacturer and not through a reseller like Amazon because wallet resellers can hijack the computer chip and the hardware wallet or they could be selling a fake. Devices Bubba has a PC personal computer running Windows that he uses just for crypto. This is an old computer. If he was buying a new computer, for crypto only, he would look into a Linux computer like a Raspberry Pi because it is inexpensive and simple. Bubba could use his everyday computer, but he has so many things on there that he feels better using a different computer that doesn't do anything else. He keeps his crypto computer unplugged from power and ethernet and never connects it to Wi-Fi. He plugs it in before each use. Device alternatives. If Bubba did not have a computer, he could use a phone or tablet, but a phone or tablet would pose additional security risks. Phones or tablets have more ways that they can be compromised. Like a computer, it is a good idea to have a dedicated device that remains offline except for crypto activities. If he had to use a phone or tablet, he would also look for apps such as Staker app that use security backends like Gnosis Safe. Before Bubba does anything, he makes sure his operating system, which is Windows, is up to date. He does not have automatic updates set, and his crypto PC is usually totally unplugged. Since there is usually an update that requires a restart every month or so, he always does this update before he does any DeFi activities. After the OS update, Bubba checks that his VPN is running. That means virtual private network. He uses a VPN service that gives him a secure tunnel with a different IP address for his computer. He already has the Windows location service turned off in settings because he is not interested in blasting his physical location out across the internet with every transaction. VPNs are for privacy-minded people and most businesses use them. A good VPN also has a no-logs policy. Someday, hopefully, VPNs will be used by most individuals most of the time, but people have to care about their right to privacy first. Browsers Bubba uses Google Chrome. Bubba does not like Google and does not like Google Chrome. Bubba uses this browser because it has come recommended by Richard Hart as the best browser for crypto. Google Chrome is updated very frequently and can use the MetaMask extension. After updating his OS, Bubba opens Google Chrome and checks that it is up to date by going to Settings and About. In Settings, he turns off Location Sharing and sets Cookies to Delete on Closing. Anytime he closes his browser, he selects Exit from the drop-down menu instead of hitting the big X, which leaves it running in the background. After any updates or changes, Bubba exits the browser and reopens it. Wallet Programs Hardware wallets need updating sometimes too. Trezor wallets use an app called Trezor Suite and Ledger wallets use an app called Ledger Live. In this story, Bubba will use a Ledger Nano S hardware wallet. 
which is currently discontinued. Its key features were simplicity, low price, physical buttons, USB cord connection, and no Bluetooth or wireless. Without touching his ledger, Baba opens Ledger Live on his computer. Ledger Live may need to update, so he does that. Wallet Update Bubba selects the Manager tab on the Ledger Live program. It asks for him to connect the hardware wallet. Bubba connects and enters his wallet-specific PIN code. The manager checks the wallet's blockchain apps and firmware version. If the firmware version needs updating, he does that first. Then Bubba sees he needs to update the Ethereum blockchain app. So he does that. He could also install a blockchain app for another blockchain like Bitcoin, but he is only using one blockchain on this wallet. The blockchain app allows the wallet to interact with the blockchain, such as just to view wallet contents. Ledger Live Bubba sees that Ledger Live performed an action called synchronizing. This is Ledger Live reading the wallet addresses from the hardware wallet, and then looking at the blockchain to see what is in those addresses. The Ledger Live app will report coins in any wallet public addresses that has been previously loaded onto the app, but this is not a connection to the wallets themselves. All cryptocurrency exists on the blockchain on a distributed network. Public addresses indicate current coin assignments. Private keys are required to approve transactions. There are different functions Bubba could do with the Ledger Live app. He is not interested in third-party app functions, but he will use the send function to send crypto to other wallets, usually his own. He prefers to use MetaMask for swaps, and he needs MetaMask to use certain distributed app, DAP, front ends, like for staking. Before using MetaMask, Bubba closes Ledger Live. He does not want two programs talking to the wallet at the same time. Opening MetaMask Bubba opens Chrome and then opens the MetaMask browser extension. He enters his MetaMask password. Bubba does not care much about this password because he only uses MetaMask as a wallet front end to connect his hardware wallet to specific websites. If he used MetaMask's private keys, then he would care about the password a lot. After logging in, MetaMask shows Bubba's empty dummy account. Lots of programs refer to wallets as accounts. That terminology goes back to the Bitcoin white paper. It is common jargon. In order to use MetaMask, Bubba had created a dummy wallet because MetaMask is a software wallet program that expects you to use MetaMask-generated private keys. Instead, Bubba uses only private keys from his hardware wallets and uses MetaMask to send signatures created by those private keys. Bubba thinks MetaMask would be okay for this if he could not purchase a hardware wallet, but he prefers to only use MetaMask as a front end. Connecting to MetaMask Bubba selects the round icon on MetaMask to get the main drop-down menu. There, he selects Connect Hardware Wallet. A window appears that allows him to select the type of wallet being connected. There are four options. Ledger and Trezor are there. 
there is a QR code input option which a person can use if they are using MetaMask on a phone or tablet. Right before Bubba chooses Ledger, he makes sure of the following things. One, his Ledger firmware and Ethereum app were updated earlier. Two, it is connected and powered on. Three, he has entered his access code in the device so it is visible to the computer. Four, he has selected and opened the Ethereum app on the device. Five, in the settings for the Ethereum app, he has enabled blind signing so that he can sign transactions through MetaMask. Upon confirming those things, Bubba selects Ledger to connect. MetaMask opens a window to select what device to pair. Bubba selects his Nano and hits Pair. Another window opens asking what format to display tokens as. Bubba selects BIP44, MetaMask Standard, from the drop-down menu. He clicks Connect. If he gets an error, such as 0x650f, then he will back out and go through the checklist mentioned a moment ago. If he still gets an error, then he will exit the browser from the drop-down menu and restart his PC. After that, hopefully the error is gone when he gets to that point. After choosing BIP44 standard, he must choose again to pair the Nano and hit connect. And then, if that part is successful, then the hardware wallet is connected to MetaMask and appears as an account titled Ledger 1. MetaMask Layout Bubba could rename the account name, but he will disconnect it later so that is pointless. He can click on the three dots to access a link to the webpage etherscan.io that shows his wallet holdings and activity. From the three dots, he can click account details and get a text string that is his public address or a QR code that represents that text string. He will need this public address text string if he wants to send crypto to this wallet. Ethereum addresses start with 0x. This is not just for ETH tokens, this is for almost anything on the Ethereum blockchain. Bubba can see his activity history or his wallet holdings on different tabs on MetaMask. Bubba always keeps MetaMask open as a Chrome browser tab rather than clicking on the Fox icon to see the temporary side window. Asset Display under the Assets tab, Bubba can click an asset like Hex, and the window will shift to displaying Hex instead of the wallet account. He can go to the three dots to also get a link to the Hex contract address on Etherscan. Or he can go to the token details to get the text string of the contract address. This is useful because it is a safe practice to input the hex address into DEXs since they do not load it automatically. Depending on the exchange, someone usually has to get paid or have an incentive to list a token automatically. If Bubba backs out to the account view, he can click history and see when he has initiated swaps or stakes. Ether display. On the account view, the holdings of ETH are shown at the top, separate from other assets. 
the ETH number will remain the same, but the dollar value underneath it will change as market price data is updated. Bubba looks at this and is reminded that crypto values are ratios that float based on recent market action. ETH is shown at the top on its own because it is the native token on the Ethereum chain. It is required to conduct transactions. For most transactions, even if ETH is not being transacted directly, it will be spent from the current balance in order to purchase gas. Gas is an internal token that only exists to fund transactions. Gas is also known by the accounting unit GUI. ETH buys GUI. GUI is paid to the validator to prioritize and fund the transaction. Without a transaction cost and token system, the network could get instantly jammed and crippled by infinite free transactions. Gas check. Bubba always checks current gas prices before doing a transaction. There are multiple ways to see gas. Bubba looks at the gas tracker page at etherscan.io. At the moment, it shows 20 guay as the average transaction price, plus or minus 2 for the current low and high. This updates every 14 seconds. Dollar estimates for different transactions are shown. $3 for a simple send, $6 for a swap, which is like a two-way send. These values fluctuate as gas fluctuates. These gas prices affect fees for every activity except some simple signatures. Sometimes to check gas, but also just for fun, Bubba likes to look at a blockchain visualizer. One such visualizer is at txstreet.com v eth. This visualizer is for the Ethereum blockchain and uses the metaphor of a bus stop. It has a visual style reminiscent of the cartoon South Park. Little cartoon characters come out of buildings. The buildings represent platforms that submit transactions, such as MetaMask. The cartoon people are individual transactions. You can click on them to see the transaction details, because blockchains are transparent. The characters approach the bus stop. Many buses are lined up along the curb leading to the stop. Each bus represents a potential transaction block. You can see the future block number and the gas price in GUI that it expects at the moment. People board the buses near the stop. The front bus leaves the stop first. Every transaction will pay the gas price on the bus when it leaves. If the gas price is too high, the character gets off and waits for a bus with a lower fee. When the bus leaves the stop, then it is getting verified by validators and joining the blockchain. Bubba is ready to receive cryptocurrency on his hardware wallet using a software wallet front end on his computer. He is also ready to connect his wallet to trusted websites in order to participate in DeFi. Before he can participate in decentralized finance, 
he has to get there from centralized finance. CFI. The most well-known element of centralized finance is a bank. The most well-known type of banking is an entity that promises to hold your money and give it back to you when you ask for it. Bubba has a bank account because his employer doesn't pay paychecks in cash, and so Bubba needs a bank account to receive a paycheck. Bubba relies on banks, but he is uncomfortable with two major elements of banks. One is that banks create money out of thin air using a double-entry accounting trick. The other is that banks don't really have any money. They make money as a conduit since it doesn't pay to hold money. If Bubba wants to wire money to another bank, his bank usually has enough on hand to do that. But his local bank branch doesn't have more than a few thousand dollars of cash on hand for customers to withdraw. Sending from a bank to a central exchange. Bubba wants to get dollars from his Bank of Metropolis account to a centralized exchange where those dollars can be turned to cryptocurrency. The centralized exchange is also a bank. It holds both fiat currency and cryptocurrency for itself and for customers. Bubba's exchange is called CoinBank. These are fictitious names. Bubba went through more invasive identity checks to open an account at CoinBank than he did at Bank of Metropolis. Bubba has no consumer protections at CoinBank. And after reading the terms and conditions, he is sure that if CoinBank goes bankrupt or gets hacked, then anything he has there is forfeit. He will treat CoinBank like a public restroom. Go in, handle business, get out. Bubba wires money from Bank of Metropolis to CoinBank. Wiring money often costs $30 per wire which is very expensive compared to an ACH transfer to CoinBank or using a credit card at CoinBank. Bubba does not want to use a credit card, and he is tired of how ACH transfers are both slow and reversible. So he pays the fee to get his money settled at CoinBank in the same day, usually two hours. On the Bank of Metropolis website, Bubba is very careful to enter his CoinBank account code correctly in the wire details. Otherwise, CoinBank will get the money in their receiving account and not know who sent it. This is an easy way to lose money for someone who is not careful. Bubba sends $1,000 and pays $30 as a wire fee. Bubba logs into CoinBank. Two hours after the wire is submitted, CoinBank shows $1,000 arrived. Bubba wants to turn that $1,000 into cryptocurrency. Bubba selects to buy crypto. Bubba knows that any crypto he buys on the exchange belongs to the exchange wallet and not his wallet. It will be in the exchange wallet already, and the exchange will make a note to themselves that they owe Bubba something. On the buy window... Bubba selects a so-called stablecoin called USDC. USDC, also known as USD coin, is issued by Circle, who is backed by BlackRock, among others. Stablecoins can become unstable, and they are not real crypto, because the issuer holds 
admin keys that allow them to create, destroy, validate, and invalidate the stablecoin at will. However, at the moment, no one has experienced major problems with USDC, so Bubba will also use USDC like a public bathroom in and out. USDC is not the only stablecoin. Bubba prefers USDC because it currently has the largest decentralized trading pool to get HEX, a more liquid trading pool than ETH, so he expects to get a better exchange rate with USDC than with ETH. Also, using the stablecoin currently seems less likely to suffer a sudden drop in value than Ethereum in the time it takes him to buy it, move it, and sell it. Bubba already has some Ethereum in his wallet, so he is not buying any more Ethereum. Later on, he will need Ethereum for fees. Buying USDC When Bubba elects to trade $1,000 for USDC, what he receives will be less. 1,000 USDC will be 999 USDC because the one-to-one -one peg is not exact. The exchange will deduct two fees simultaneously for the transaction from the USDC, the exchange fee and the network fee. The exchange fee is $4, which is 0.4% of the total amount, and that goes to CoinBank. The network fee is $5, which relates to the Ethereum network gas fee, because Bubba is buying USDC on the Ethereum network. Bubba agrees, and the transaction settles within 14 seconds, which is the typical block time for Ethereum. Fees so far. Bubba has paid $30 wire fee, $1 stablecoin peg loss, $4 exchange fee, and $5 in gas. That is $40, which is 4% loss of his starting $1,000. Bubba has 990 USDC after the transaction. Scaling fees adjust based on the total amount, and flat fees do not. A network fee at a centralized exchange should theoretically track gas fees, but they can make it a scaling fee that is not based on gas if they feel like it. As a percentage of a transaction total, Scaling fees cost more for larger amounts than flat fees. If Bubba did not have ETH already in his personal wallet, then he would have to buy some ETH in a separate transaction and pay fees on that. Now Bubba has 990 USDC that he wants to turn into HEX. HEX is a cryptocurrency that is not listed on centralized exchanges and Bubba assumes that centralized exchanges expect to be paid to allow a token on their exchange. Hex is not a company and has no central authority, so there is no one to pay that fee. If Bubba wants Hex, he has to move the USDC off of the centralized exchange. Withdrawals When Bubba moves crypto assets from CoinBank to a personal wallet, then CoinBank calls that a withdrawal. CoinBank uses this word because it is currently their crypto in their wallet, 
with a note on a computer that has nothing to do with the blockchain that Bubba paid money to claim that crypto. Bubba selects the option to withdraw. He must enter in the public address key, which is the destination. It is best to copy and paste this text string because getting it wrong would result in a total loss of funds at worst, or a failed transaction at best, depending on if the incorrect destination exists. CoinBank will issue a warning to this effect. In some sense, they are giving a genuine warning, and in another sense, they are trying to scare Bubba from removing funds. Banks always look for ways to discourage people from withdrawing funds, because then they can't lend it for interest. After copying the public address text string, Bubba reads every letter and number to be sure that it is correct. At a minimum, he will check the last six characters match. The first few characters of Ethereum addresses are not that helpful. Withdrawal fees. Bubba selects to move his total of 990 USDC to his personal wallet. CoinBank shows a couple fees that will be applied. They apply a bank fee and a network fee. The bank fee scales to the amount of the withdrawal, and the network fee scales to the amount of gas charged by the blockchain. Many transactions that occur on an exchange may not involve funds moving anywhere in reality, but when funds leave the exchange, then there must be an entry on the blockchain which costs gas. CoinBank deducts the fees from the USDC, so Bubba will receive less in his wallet. If crypto was being sent from a personal Ethereum wallet, that would require ETH for the gas. But CoinBank doesn't make this distinction for Bubba. For this withdrawal of 990 USDC, Bubba loses about 5 USDC in fees, which covers the gas for a simple send. Bubba expects to receive 985 USDC in his personal wallet. With this loss of 0.5% on the original 1,000, the total percent loss in fees that Bubba has experienced so far is about 4.5%. If Bubba had to buy ETH and withdraw ETH in addition to USDC, there would be more fees. Bubba selects to confirm the withdrawal. It usually takes less than 15 seconds to confirm the money is sent because 14 seconds is the average Ethereum block time for confirming new transactions. Block Explorers CoinBank will post a confirmation that the money was sent. Bubba must confirm on his own that the money arrived where he expected. He can confirm this through various means. The easiest way to check a wallet without connecting anything is to do a search on a Block Explorer. Bubba opens a new browser tab and goes to etherscan.io. This site is a block explorer for the Ethereum chain. Any on-chain historical action may be seen here. Etherscan is one of the many APIs that look at blockchain data. Etherscan is a business that profits from presenting blockchain data in a digestible format. Like any website, 
EtherScan will note a user's IP address and geolocation unless the user turns off browser geolocation and uses a VPN to alter the IP address. This matters to Bubba because he doesn't want his wallet search matched to his IP. Maybe it is no big deal, but Bubba plays it safe. Playing it safe takes money and effort that most others won't do. EtherScan Confirmation Bubba pastes his public address into EtherScan's search box. His personal wallet opens as a new page. For any wallet, Bubba can look at all transactions, ERC-20 transactions, and analytics. If Bubba has the page for his wallet open, he may not see the 985 USDC appear as soon as CoinBank says it is sent. Bubba refreshes his page every 15 seconds, and after two refreshes, he sees a new ERC-20 transaction marked in from the exchange wallet address to his personal wallet address. Now, Bubba has confirmed the transaction was successful. Ethos and Semantics Bubba's 985 USDC has just exited the world of CeFi and entered the world of DeFi. Bubba could also say he has exited fake DeFi and entered real DeFi. Bubba is in real DeFi because his assets are in his own wallet. Bubba has possession of his assets in the sense that his private key gives him controlling authority to transact without requiring permission from anyone. Bubba is not yet in real crypto, because stablecoins are fake crypto, because stablecoins have admin keys. Bubba's next set of moves will be to get into real crypto by swapping his stablecoins for an immutable cryptocurrency with no admin keys. This is the end of part 1, getting from CeFi to DeFi.